Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. This is episode 101 and our guest today is Jose Garza, the Democratic nominee for Travis County DA. Welcome to the show, Jose. Hey, Jay, it's so good to be with you. Yeah, I think last time we spoke, um, it was a couple weeks ago, but it was prior to uh, the July 14th runoff election. Congratulations on that uh, resounding victory. Thank uh, you. Yeah, for those who don't know, Jose uh, was in a primary runoff against uh, current Travis County DA, Margaret Moore, uh, went to runoff, and he, it was early, I mean, earlier than, <laughs> earlier night for you than I'm sure everyone was expecting, but uh, it ended up being a, he was an early lead at 36 points, so uh, the you know, DA Moore called the race. Jose now will be in um, in a November election against a Republican opponent. And um, but, wait, but as far as I'm concerned, he is a presumptive <laughs> presumptive winner. Not gonna what we don't have the camera support you there on those efforts. But Jose, welcome to the show, and I want to give the floor to you to introduce yourself as as a person, and we'll get to your you as a candidate as well. Great. Well, first of all, it's really great to be with you and. Um, I'm just so grateful to, to everyone who stepped, out through, stepped up throughout the course of this campaign um, to fight for the issues that, that we were fighting for. Um, and I was just so impressed and moved by how our community has come together uh, around reform. I, I, I think, you know, it's clear as day to anyone who has lived in Travis County for any amount of time that our criminal legal system is broken that it's not working in a way that reflects our values. And I was just so grateful that, that so many people stood up to fight for a system that reflects their values. So really grateful for that. And me, you know, I'm just, um, I'm just a guy who has an election in November. Um, we will be really focused on that. And we will be focused on the awesome responsibility that, that lies ahead for, um, you know, for taking office. And then, you know, otherwise, I'm, I'm really excited that the um, NBA bubble is in full effect. Mm -hmm. um, I'm convinced the Spurs are going to make the playoffs again. And, um, you know, I've, I've got um, two little kids who I'm, you know, have been, you know, trying to um, help learn and, and continue to grow and stay sane during this pandemic that's been crazy for everyone. Uh, and just really excited about the work that's ahead of us. Yeah. So we'll get to that. So are you from San Antonio originally, or what's your uh, what's your background there? Yeah. So I was born on the border in a little town called Laredo, Texas, which I'm sure most people are familiar with. And uh, my family moved to San Antonio when I was, I think, around two. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I grew up in in inner city San Antonio. Um, went to. Thomas Jefferson High School, for anyone who is familiar with the area. And I moved to Austin for the first time in 1997 to, to go to the University of Texas. And, you know, my life has kind of been all over the place. My career has been all over the place. Uh, as soon as I graduated from college, I moved to Washington, D.C. to work for a member of Congress. Um, I went to law school in Washington, D.C. I worked for a federal judge in D.C., I ended up coming back to Texas to work on the border in a little town called um, Del Rio, Texas, where I worked as a public defender, both at the state and the federal level, um, and just had an incredible, um, incredible, almost life-changing experience doing that work. Um, you know, like a lot of people in 2008, I was just 
um, so moved and captivated and hopeful um, by, by um, President Barack Obama's run for office. And so I was pretty engaged in that race as a volunteer. Um, and then in, in 2010, I had the opportunity to go back to Washington, D.C., um, and, and eventually to work in the Obama administration, which was a dream come true for me. Um, and my wife and I met in Washington, D.C. We had our first baby in Washington, D.C., um, but always knew I was coming home. And um, yeah, have just been incredibly privileged to lead Workers' Defense Project um, for the last five years here in Austin. So I've been a little bit all over the place, um, but my heart has always been in Texas. Um, Austin is my home and I'm just, um, you know, we have built such a strong community here and I'm so, so grateful for this amazing place. Yeah. So well, with that varied career, and I think they're, the trend would be just helping, you know, say not in a pejorative way, but the common man, the common man and woman, right? Just as we're all, for a lot of folks, I think are being made aware for the first time this last couple months that justice in America isn't equal by any measure. Right. Certain folks, right, socioeconomically, racially, and I think your background, at least from my gathering and knowing of workers' defense projects and public defense, everything else, are just are things that trend as probably a common thread there. So with that, what 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 factor your decision to run against um, you know, an incumbent uh, DA here? Yeah, well, you know, on a personal level, um, you know, just to dig a little bit deeper into my own set of experiences, um, you know, my, I'm a fourth generation Texan and my great grandparents were immigrants to this country. Um, my, my grandparents were raised um, in a, a shack with dirt floors um, out in West Texas where they worked as sharecroppers on other people's property. Um, both of my grandparents, um, my grandfathers on both sides of my family served in World War II um, and, you know, came back to a country where they had an opportunity um, to work without college degrees, but raise families, um, teach them the importance of an education and give them some opportunities. Um, you know, my parents both grew up um, pretty poor in, in large families, um, but were the first people in their families to go to college. And so I'm really mindful um, of where my family comes from and of all of the obstacles that stood in their way um, and that conspired to prevent them from giving um, me the opportunity that I have. And so I just feel an enormous amount of responsibility to that history um, and to the millions of people in our country who are making their way through their own version of that journey. Um, and I'm mindful of all of the obstacles that still, you know, a hundred years later are conspiring to prevent them from reaching their full potential. So um, I just, Again, I feel that sense of responsibility to, um, to the work that my family has put in to get us here um, tremendously. But, you know, more directly, as I mentioned, I started my career as a public defender on the border. And I was really outraged by what I saw. Um, and what I saw is a, a criminal justice system that every day 
weighs most heavily on working people and people of color. Um, you know, what I saw is the way we use our criminal legal system in this country like a rug. And when we as a society fail people because of our failed economy, because of our failed healthcare system, because of our failed um, and inequitable education system, when we fail people, our criminal legal system is the rug that we sweep them under so we don't have to face our own failures. Um, and that experience really left me outraged. But some of the other experiences that I've had since then, whether it was working in the Obama administration or leading workers' defense project, um, have made me as hopeful as I was outraged. And they've made me hopeful about the power that regular people have to improve their community. Um, your, your listeners may not know this, but Workers' Defense Project organizes low-wage working people, predominantly undocumented low-wage working people. And I've seen the incredible sacrifice that our members at Workers' Defense have made and the change that they've made. Um, and so it's taught me a lot about the power that each and every one of us has and the responsibility we have to wield it. So, you know, I've had a, a firsthand glimpse into how our criminal legal system works, how it's working here in Travis County in the so-called most progressive county in the state. Um, and I was deeply disappointed that we weren't doing more um, when I could see that there is a movement happening across the state and across the country to reform our criminal legal system and sometimes from within district attorney's offices, that there is incredible progress being made in Philadelphia, in, um, in Chicago, in Massachusetts, in Dallas, in San Antonio. And so I came to this race both with a deep sense of disappointment um, that we here in the most progressive county in the state weren't leading that movement, but also a deep sense of optimism of what our community um, is capable of. Well, I think that message, and those all said, definitely resonated because, again, of the significant margin that you, know, that you carried the runoff uh, with in, in July or last, I was, it's, it's early August, well, it feels like March, I'll say last month in July 14th, as hashtag COVID-19. Um, we'll get to, you know, and for those who aren't aware, you know, the, the DA's office prosecutes felonies in the county, right? And so I think it's, it's timely just given the amount of, probably just the disproportionate amount of charges and arrests that are put upon the people of color in Texas, Travis County, Austin, and Travis County and elsewhere. What reforms, you know, it could be your top three things you do your, you know, today is first day of the office downtown at you know, Southern Slovakia that you uh, want to do um, as to start reforming as DA, Travis County. Well, we, we have to start, you know, that conversation by, by really looking deeply at the current state of things. Um, and the current state of things are that in Travis County, 9% of our population is black, but over 25% of the population of our jail is black. Um, is that every year in the most progressive county in the state, our district attorney's office brings more drug charges than any other kind of offense. And that's true against the backdrop of a community where we know um, that 
over a thousand people every year in Travis County are victims of rape and sexual assault. When we know that um, every single year, members of our community and particularly people of color die or are injured at the hands of law enforcement. And what our priority, what our top priority has been is prosecuting drug cases. And I think it's time for our priorities to shift for a couple of reasons. Um, the first is that we know from a data perspective, from a policy perspective, that the war on drugs has failed. Um, we know that every day that a person struggling with substance use stays in jail, the likelihood that they will commit another crime goes up. So by continuing to spend so many of our resources prosecuting people, particularly for low-level drug offenses, we are actively making our communities less safe. We know that there are other approaches, harm reduction approaches, that work better um, to addressing substance use in our community and to preventing crime. So one of the first things we're gonna do is end the prosecution of low-level drug offenses in Travis County. But the other thing- Real quick too, for those just, just for the comment, you know, for uh, the layman, what would that be? So yeah, yeah. and we've been, we, have, we have tried to be very specific and clear about what we mean when we say that. Um, what we mean is a gram or less of all drugs. And again, um, the data proves that prosecuting um, offenses at that level does more harm to our community than it does good. It creates a more dangerous community um, than it does make our community safe. But the second reason that it's time to end the prosecution of those kinds of offenses is because they are probably the greatest single driver of racial disparities in our criminal legal system. I mentioned before, 9% of the population is black, but 30% of all drug arrests in Travis County are of members of the black community. And this is true even though we know that substance use in Travis County is consistent across race and ethnicity, right? That means that white folks, black folks, and brown folks are all using drugs at about the same percentage. Um, and, and, you know, we kind of don't need the data to tell us that. I mean, anybody who has been to a party on the West Side or to Eeyore's birthday party can see that with their own eyes. Um, but the data backs it up as well. Um, we know that the number one way that people get arrested and charged for drug possession is through traffic stops. And that over 60% of all people stopped, arrested and charged with drug possession are people of color, even though we don't make up 60% of Travis County. So if we're serious about ending racial disparities in our criminal legal system, it's time to end the prosecution of low-level drug offenses. Um, it's also time to end our reliance on cash bail. No one should be sitting in jail simply because they can't afford to get out. Um, that creates instability in our neighborhoods when we separate people from their jobs and their families. And that instability makes us less safe. Um, it's time to start taking sexual assault and other violent offenses more seriously and dedicating more resources to them. And it's time um, to enact real reform so that we can hold law enforcement officers accountable when they harm members of our community. So you asked for three, I gave you four. Um, and if we you. had time, I'd give you a bigger list. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll put a link to your, your campaign, 
your campaign site on the on our show notes too for folks who want to know more about about you and the campaign. I'd also ask too, this wasn't in our show notes, but just um, obviously the county, well, your role is directly tied to the city of Austin Council, but in the sense that I think the common link is APD, Austin Police Department. Um, and I'm sure through your work with Workers Defense Project, you've had, you know, you worked with council or certain or members of council and such. How do you see, along with the way you're forming this role, because it's not, I mean, I'm sure you're watching as well the discussion of the council now about Austin Police Department and just overall reforms to, to law enforcement, community, community policing. How do you see your office uh, working, collaborating with the city? And that may go through the commission, the Travis County Commissioner's Court, who is the governing body of the county. But how do you see your role working to collaborate with the city, city of Austin, who uh, APD is under their purview, to fully kind of enact that kind of, to enact these reforms and others that lead to better outcomes for all for all Austinites? Yeah, I, I think we're going to be. Uh, I think we're going to have a very strong partnership. Um, I, I think that I. I'm, well, let me say a couple of things. I am really grateful for the leadership that Austin City Council and the mayor have shown on these issues, um, whether it was the passage of the Freedom Cities policy in 2017 that mandated sight and release for a range of, of low-level misdemeanor offenses, um, whether it was their work to ensure that, um, that we weren't arresting um, for marijuana possession. Um, I, I think they've made some good progress. They obviously have some work to do um, in building a, Austin Police Department that we can all be proud of. But I, I feel like we have seen uh, that the majority of council is committed to that outcome. And I, um, you know, will be, have been um, in touch with them as they take on their role um, of supervising the Austin Police Department. And the same is true for, for the county um, in that I'm looking forward to building a strong relationship with the county commissioners um, there is a lot that we can do at the district attorney's office and that we are going to do, um, but we're going to need help to really truly reimagine our criminal legal system. I'll just say a quick um, bit on that, and I, I do feel like there is a shared philosophy with the majority of city council, um, and I think there will be at commissioner's court as well. But the fact is, you know, that for over 400 years in this country, we've been sold this lie. Um, about what public safety is. We've been told that public safety is locking up as many black and brown people as we can. And that if we just do that, um, that that would make our communities more safe. But what we know from our own lived experiences, and again, from, from the data, what the data makes really clear, is that actually what public safety is, is a good job. Um, public safety is access to healthcare. Public safety is um, good schools to send our kids because those things create stability and stability equals public safety. And so what we can do at the DA's office is pull back the rug of our criminal legal system, this system that we have relied on for too long um, you know, to address all of our problems. Um, what we can't do is make smart, sound investments in access to good jobs in access to healthcare. Um, that's not under the purview of the DA's office, but we, we have pledged and I am committed um, to being an advocate, you know, in, in city hall chambers and in the county commissioner's chambers for those things. 
and I'm looking forward to the partnership we're going to build um, to see all of that to fruition. I want to add to the partnership in the county side with the county attorney who, and that race was also, that was decided on July 14th. That is uh, current Mayor Pro Tem Delia Garza on the city council who will be county attorney um, being sworn in in January of 2021. County, the county attorney's office prosecutes misdemeanor cases. So I'm sure there'll be collaboration on there and no relation between y'all obviously, but those uh, said no. But a powerful, powerful duo, I think, to be sure. And I think just from uh, some of the comments, statements she's made in her campaign, like-mindedness, like-minded in the sense of wanting to enact uh, the more community reforms versus the prosecutorial hammer, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, the, the other thing I will, I think it's important to point out is that um, we are on the cusp, I think, of, of generational, transformational, um, you know, change, whether it's the outcome of my race, whether it's the outcome of the mayor pro tem's race, whether it's the progress that the city council is making, um, because tens of thousands of people, you know, have been marching in the streets here in Travis County for the last eight weeks, um, because tens of thousands of people showed up to vote in the middle of a pandemic, um, you know, for a runoff race in the middle of, of the Texas summer. Um, and we are going to need that advocacy. We're going to need that incredible coalition of people of color, of working people, of women, of young people who came together to bring us to the cusp of this change um, to stay together. We're going to need all of those voices to stay engaged um, to make the change that we all seek and deserve. Yeah. Jose, just before I words, I would love to you know, any advice you give to folks, uh, young or old, whoever else, who were, have been that, 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 that spark, that voice to run the public office, wherever it may be, at the local level, school board, or maybe up, up the chain at the Fed level, what would, what would you give them as advice um, just getting into this whole thing? I think there's some commonalities with any campaign at the onset. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing um, is, you know, you, you got to... Um, have a belief in yourself and have the courage to, to, to run. Um, and I think what is an important part of that is not to listen to, um, to the insiders and the pundits who, you know, who think they've got a, a blueprint for how someone becomes an elected official. Um, you know, there were a lot of pundits and insiders um, who, who said, I didn't have a chance to win this race. Um, and, but, you know, working people, people of color, young people and women prove them wrong. And so I think the first thing is, you know, believe in yourself, have the courage. If you have a, a desire, if you have, um, you know, a change that you think needs to be made, um, don't be afraid to, to get into the arena and, and for your voice to be heard. Um, you know, the, the second thing, I think the second piece of advice um, I would steal from Spike Lee, you know, and that's just do the right thing. Um, you know, follow your, follow your values and your sense of, of true north. Um, you know, be passionate about what you believe in. Um, and if you do those things, you'll be fine. Great. Well, Jose Garza is the Democratic nominee for Travis County DA. Thank you for your time and much, we wish you much success uh, in the coming well, I guess we're three, we're three months to election day, so we're almost the home stretch, man. 
election in November and, you know, then on to January. On to January and all and, and more work to come. But uh, thank you for your time. And uh, we'll, again, we'll put links to your campaign in the show notes and in your social media accounts as well. Great great time. Thank you so much. Okay, great to be with you.